0: Hey, folks, this is Daniel White Hodge, and I am the host of a weekly podcast called Profane Faith. This is the second installment of looking at kids, religion, young people, young adults. And if you haven't heard part one, I'm going to ask that you go back and hear that first before getting into part two. But if you've been listening this whole time, you've already heard part one. Yeah, you have. This week, I have three voices. Three women's voices in regards to their relationship to religion, gender, sexuality, sexual orientation, their engagement with U.S. culture. I specifically wanted to have three women because, A, women are the future. And I'm not just saying that because I'm not running for office. But also, B, they are collectively a representative of part of the data that that I have been gathering in regards to what young adults think, particularly between the ages of 18 and 28, about God and religion. What has been their experience and engagement uh, with this thing we call church? So what better place to have these conversations on than Profane Faith? Y'all ready? Come on.
1: He said in there shall be signs of the sun and in the moon and in the stars and upon the earth, distress of nations.
2: I think she's a liar and I think she deserves mockery.
1: It was something about when I put this hat on, it made me feel like Superman. Black lives are very important. White lives are very important. And to me, all lives are very important. Very, very important. Damn!
0: This is Profane Faith, a podcast that engages faith on the margins. Faith that has been labeled profane, nonconformist, conformist and or out there. We'll be exploring the intersections of the sacred, secular, and profane to find God. I'm your host, your boy, Daniel White-Hodge. Welcome back to Profane Faith. As always, I'm your boy, Dan White-Hodge, here. And as I said at the pre-intro to this podcast... This is the second installment of the kids are all right. You haven't heard the first one. I do encourage you to go back and hear that. Uh, This this particular episode. We're going to be dealing with three perspectives, three conversations that I have with three young women uh, that are coming up that have been uh, through college and have engaged with various elements of religion, uh, always with race, always with gender. Um, and aspects of how they view and engage with theology and spirituality in this day and age. And so I wanted to frame these rather than putting this into research and data. These these three voices are representative of three different particular categories, or if you want to put this in a more academic sense, taxonomies, if you will, um, of the data and the research sets that I'm gathering myself, and also along with Some of the collective data that has been coming in and about uh, in regards to black and multi-ethnic young adults, uh, not just millennials, but also those that are now being labeled as Gen Y and Gen Z. Uh, What are those who have been born after the year 2000 thinking about in regards to race and God and politics? Um, All these young women have uh, were actually born prior to the year 2000, but very close to it, um, have finished college or are about to finish college and have unique perspectives in regards to uh, what these uh, represent. So, as always, Profane Faith is a dialogue. It's an ongoing conversation about religion and faith and gender and race. I wanted to pl- place these conversations in front of you and, well, let y'all check it out and see what y'all think if the kids really are all right. My first guest is Faith. She is a young adult making her way through college. She graduated uh, with a BA. She is connected to religious and evangelical circles by her parents who have been connected with Christian higher ed organizations. I caught up with Faith at the Wild Goose Festival um, about a year ago. And then she later on came by my office and we started talking a little bit about just what it meant to be engaged with religion and faith in politics check it out
2: i am the child of um a jamaican mom who grew up in the u.s and my dad is west african um, but i grew up in the suburbs of illinois which make for an interesting life story um i grew up going to a pretty white suburban evangelical church and did not like it but mm. wasn't really sure what existed outside of that um, okay so i got to north park um and they talk a lot about justice and faith and it was the first time i realized that those things mm. could coexist um yeah. even though The Bible talks about it, but it's interesting (laughs) what parts of the Bible get light thrown upon them and which don't. Yes, Um, So, yeah, and I think when I was growing up and I was in church, a lot of what I heard was we need to pray for the poor and pray for people who are experiencing injustice. Mm -hmm. Um, But it seemed like injustice was a thing that happened um, in a way that was outside of our control and not a thing that we actively participated in Mm. or had skin in the game. So it was good to come to a place where justice was seen as um, like an integral part of of your faith and also something that involves all of us, not just quote unquote bad people who do bad things somewhere else yeah not us of course (laughs) of course (laughs) not of course not we never do anything (laughs) like that no yeah so um i am an artist i write um who am i (laughs) um yeah i I'm just I'm just a person trying to figure <laughs> <laughs> things out.
0: <laughs> so well with your you're part of that age group now though that folks are, you know, interested in studying. Well at least the white population of that. The uh you know, we're still trying to figure out the ethnic <laughs> Yes, the use <laughs> of that. But I'm curious, just like what is from your perspective, because you obviously have a different perspective than mine and I think it's very valuable, how do you then engage with God in this, you know, socio political era, sociotheological era, especially at the 2016 election, given your work experience. You know, I'm putting nobody on blast, <laughs> but, you know, your work experience. <laughs>
2: hmm. Um, well, I, I think there are a couple ways that I've dealt with God. Obviously, there was the raging of, why is this happening? Yeah. Um, but then once you return to the text, as folks like to say (laughs) the word, um, you begin to realize that these cycles of um, political instability um, and oppression aren't really new. Mm -hmm. Um, And Some people take that to mean we should just bury our heads in the sand and just wait for it to get better because God's going to deliver us. But I take that to mean we all have a part to play um, in building I don't want to say the kingdom of God, but building a world that is more reflective of um, the nature of the God that we claim to believe in. Hmm. Um, I've also kind of come back to the idea of um, like personal devotion and personal relationship with God. Wow, okay. shocking. <laughs> but I think um, for me, I've just been around a lot of liberal folks who are more concerned with institutions um, and societal structures than anything else. And what often happens is they end up hurting people because their internal self isn't right. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I've, I've found that a good mix of having a big picture view of here's the situation, here are some actions that we need to take, Like maybe we need to go protest here, maybe we need to do this, um, maybe we need to be strategic in these ways, but also realizing that I am a person in the midst of this and if I am not um, well and I am not sustaining myself spiritually in some Mm. way, Mm. then I am not going to be much use to anyone
0: that's what's up I, I find that interesting so what i mean so let me ask this then um uh, well two questions really one do you consider yourself an evangelical and then two um, uh, or evangelical christian and then two how did you arrive at that at, at this particular spiritual space
2: um i would not consider myself an evangelical it's something i think about a lot um <laughs> Yeah. But I I don't really know what I would identify myself with or align myself with. Theologically, I'm probably more mainline, but mm-hmm. mainline churches they have a lot of problems, <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, I yeah. think they're often they're often white, not always white, but often white, and they don't really like talking about the Bible, which is not. A, a bad thing, necessarily, um, and obviously these are sweeping generalizations, so grace, um but i I don't identify as evangelical, but I would identify as a progressive Christian, okay, okay, um, how did I get here?
0: <laughs>
2: I don't even know I mean i I still have moments where I think... What if none of this is real? I had a moment like that yesterday where hmm. it was like, "What if we're in a godless world?" <laughs> um, which a lot of people—that's how um, they see the world, and they're fine. So yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I've I've been working through a lot of my own biases towards. Um, people who have no faith, um, people who are of different faiths, because a lot of evangelical Christianity is like, we are the chosen people, we are the ones. Um, But I've heard and I'm sort of looking at and considering the ways that our dialogue um, and our language around the quote-unquote chosen people has been really harmful. Mm -hmm. Um, It was harmful it's been harmful throughout history it was harmful when white people decided that they were the chosen people yeah um when israeli folks i don't know if this is too much of a hot take for the no podcast, come on but when Profane you know, israeli folks decided you know palestinians they we should just remove them from their land which yeah. obviously it's very very complicated um but this idea that we are chosen and we are entitled and we are beloved by god and um other people would be loved too if they just conform to these set of things right. i think evangelicalism tries to sugarcoat that but there's only so far you can get and yeah. i don't think that that is something i believe so hmm. yeah i think it's been a lot of a lot of wrestling a lot of um And normally I don't like the word wrestling because I feel like you can't (laughs) wrestle forever. You have to come to a decision at some point. So, you know, my view as it stands um, is that evangelicalism, while not inherently bad, can easily be twisted um, to make people feel like they are the recipients Mm. of the true word of God and no one else is, um, which I Don't think is the case,
0: hmm. Hmm, fascinating. Oh, faith. All right, well, is, let's let's go on a little bit further. Then. so, then, how let me just pick a topic, then you know, that's that's hot. So, I mean, what about evangelism, right? Like, we were hearing this now about you know, we need to make disciples of Christ, and this generation, I mean, which. If you go back even hundred years, people have always been saying, especially in the like the nineteenth century, people were saying this generation needs God. They're lost, and you know, it's like we have those, you know, kind of, we need a revival. What? Well, how do you? How do you engage with that? How does? And how does somebody, particularly again from your age group, your generation, engage with something like that? What does evangelism, if I use that word, uh, look like?
2: Well, it, it depends on who you ask, because as you know, um, millennials. Or, whatever my age group is, are not a monolith. <laughs> no, no, absolutely. A group is a monolith. Absolutely. absolutely. Uh, so, for people in my circles, most of them do not identify as evangelicals. Mm-hmm. Or if they do, it's like, <laughs> well, evangelical in the sheets, but liberal in the streets. <laughs> and, that, and not like bed sheets, but I think no, you I know what you. I mean. I got you. Um yeah, so people who have these evangelical backgrounds, but when it comes down to it are not really interested in that yeah. kind of pursuit of faith. Um so I don't know. We don't really talk about that. Mm-hmm. I think Um, there are some people I know who are definitely more on the evangelical side. Um, and I don't know this because I haven't talked to them specifically about it, but I do think that they are operating from a place of God saved me from this, um, or I've been healed from this, you know, that language. Uh, And I want other people to experience that. Freedom or that joy or love, um, and that guidance, I guess. So, I think even as millennials are talking about it, it's still from a place of this will make your life better, not necessarily you need to repent. Um, at least the ones that I know who are on the more evangelical side, but Mm -hmm. most folks my age don't really, especially. Well, maybe I shouldn't say especially people of color, but the people of color I know are not really on board with that.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah. And I think there are a lot of people of color, too, who um, are done with the church and see it sort of as like this colonial arm, Yeah, uh, which is understandable. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's completely fair, but it makes sense. Yeah, I've been there. Sometimes I'm still <laughs> there.
0: <laughs> come on, come on. So,
2: yeah.
0: Well, so okay, so you know, I, I I ran into you at Wild Goose where you reached out to me. You were like, "Oh, I see you on Wild Goose." I was yes. like, "Oh my, you're going to Wild Goose? That's great." So, obviously, you know, Wild Goose is a is a pretty progressive uh, space, yeah, uh, theologically, right? Yes. Ideologically, I mean, there's other issues, right? I mean, the fact that we're out in the country and seeing. You know, anything short of a a swastika. Uh,
2: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Mm.
0: So, I mean, what were your impressions of, one, the goose, and then what drew you to that? Or maybe you just ended up going there because you were like, "Ah, I just want to check this out.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's really funny because I said, and my housemates can confirm this, I said, you're not going to catch me, a black person, out in these woods with a bunch (laughs) of like hippy dippy white people yeah 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 um but then and part of it was because it was my birthday the weekend of wild that's right that's right yeah i thought i don't want to be out here in the woods and i just nah man but then i had (laughs) i don't i don't know if it's a come to jesus moment or a look at yourself in the mirror and think about your choices moment. But I realized, um, <laughs> this is going to sound bad, but all of the people in my house who I would have liked to spend time with on my birthday were going. And I was like, oh, I don't want to be in the house with people <laughs> who aren't even going to that it's my birthday. Yeah, And yeah. also, um, I felt this pull to try something new. Okay. Um, I like growing up. I was a pretty picky eater, and so my godmother would always say, "How do you know if you don't like it if you haven't tried it?" Which <laughs> I don't think applies to things like meth or cocaine. But in this, I'm with yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. <laughs> um, but in this case, I thought, well, how would I know if I don't like being out in the woods if I've mm-hmm. never been out in the woods? So, um, I. Told some people that I was gonna go, and it was yeah. And so then we we packed up the car a couple of weeks later because, of course, I made this decision at the last oh, minute. Oh yeah, the midnight hour. That's right. That's
0: right. The best kind. <laughs>
2: yep. The best kind of decision. <laughs> the last one. <laughs> so um, yeah, and I also I um, was doing a bit of soul searching because um, at Sojourners Summit. I was feeling a bit of restlessness in terms of what is my calling? What is my vocation? Which I think a lot of people my age, even some people who are older than me Mm -hmm. are trying to figure out. Yeah. So I um, was trying to figure out my place in this movement, um, whatever this movement is. I mean, when I say that, I, I mean um the intersections of um, faith and politics and mm-hmm. you know, all all of those isms um and so I'm not I'm still not completely sure what my part to play in that is, um, but I did know that art would be involved um and so I was looking at while, well, the wild goose website and a lot of what they're talking about is like faith and spirituality um, and justice and all of these things that were really important to me that are really important to me, but I haven't seen the intersections of in a structured way before I'd seen them intersect because people decided they wanted them to in their own lives, but I didn't see places that were really, um, looking at the meshing of these various um, ways of being as a goal so when I saw I went to the website and I was like oh hmm this stuff some of this stuff looks good hmm maybe I should maybe I need to break out of my comfort zone um, and go try something new so I did and there were a lot of things that made me a little bit nervous um, but I actually had um, Wi-Fi.
0: <laughs> so, oh my gosh! Yeah,
2: I don't really know how that
0: happened. you and like four other people, man. That's cheese. <laughs> Truly.
2: Um. So I had I had Wi-Fi, so I felt okay about some things. And because um, you
0: were in the cuts too, you were in like a tent, weren't oh. you? Oh,
2: <laughs> <laughs> boy, was I! Train, train passing and all, huh? And it was a one-person tent. <laughs> best case. So in the best-case scenario, the tent is for one person. Wow. But there were two of us in oh, that yeah. tent. Oh of yeah! Oh yeah! So and it was fine because it was me and my roommate um, who got along very well. But we were just like, this is this is a small small tent, and and I've not showered in a while. <laughs> 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 and then I got sick. Um,
0: oh, that's know, right. Yes, I lost
2: my voice, oh. and it was just yeah. I sounded like when you scrape. A chair on on the floor oh man (laughs) but despite all of that i had a lot i had a lot of fun um it was really cool to i mean i spent a lot of my time in the air conditioning Mm because i was burning up Um, yes (laughs) but um i it was just so nice to be away from dc um which is a really crazy place right now Mm -hmm. um and it was really good to be around people who were seemingly um, very kind and pretty generous with their time and resources, um, as opposed to city life, where <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you know yeah. people will do what they need to do and they yes. don't really care if you are in their way. So yes, yeah.
0: Okay. No. Well, I mean, I. I mean, I think. Well, yeah. I mean, I too. I felt a lot of the same things. I ain't go front. I mean, I told folks I was. I was in the hotel, you know. So I was, it was air conditioned. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Although we didn't have a shower, we had like a tub shower. So it was interesting. Uh, I was glad no At one took. At least they
2: didn't give you a bucket.
0: That's right. That's right. I was glad no one took a picture of me in that because I looked awkward <laughs> as hell up in there. big old black man, small you tub. <laughs> You know, you would think I would. I had, I had, but yeah, it was, but it was all good. At least I had running water. I'm not complaining. True. I'm not complaining. Um, so then how would you then engage with some of the reactions that, um... Some of the older generation have. So I'll give you an example. I was uh, a couple weeks ago. I was in Atlanta. We met with some of the you know original civil rights activists. They you know wow. walked with King and 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 um, Rosa Parks and stuff. And so I was I was like wow man. I really felt the ancestry there.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: But the one thing I came away with that I just couldn't get past was just their strong critique of younger people, particularly the Black Lives Matter movement
2: and i'm sure they said they're not organized yes. they don't have demands who's their leader Yes, decentralized power structure you
0: were in the room
2: <laughs> i've heard this
0: before <laughs> so how do you engage it cuz these and these folks were obviously very connected to the church you know still hallelujah you know that whole thing right yeah. <laughs> so i'm wondering i mean what what is your response again i know this is not a monolith, that but 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 i will, but, I'm, but i want to specifically hear like what is your response to something like that
2: well Come on, bring it. Yeah, I'm rubbing my hands <laughs> Yes, together. yes. Um, well, I would say that different doesn't necessarily mean bad. Okay. I, which is, you know, I think a pretty obvious thing. And who am I to critique um, these folks who have been around for so long and have so much wisdom? Um, but you only know... own experience and they only know their own experience and so what looks to them like a disorganized mob of people is not necessarily that I think that there is um structure to what seems like chaos um and they I think the Black Lives Matter movement is responding to um the moment Um, Like there are not, there are so many demands, Mm -hmm. you know, there are so many demands. This isn't just like we need voting rights so that we can um, be in these rooms and make decisions and decide who represents us. This is also like, well, our schools aren't being funded. The police are brutalizing us. Mm -hmm. We don't have access to food or clean water. You know, the list goes goes on and on. And so I think having the slogan of Black Lives Matter and then having offshoots um, and partners who deal with different things is a really um, cool way to do it. I think it's it's more grassroots. Um, but I also think the original church was pretty grassroots before they implemented all of this hierarchy. And that's the thing that that gets me about this I think the civil rights movement replicated the hierarchies that were in the hmm. black church where black men who were usually preachers you know had the vision and uh everybody else made it happen especially black women yeah um and that is not I don't think black women are having that anymore <laughs> <laughs> yeah So what's happening now is, you know, and I think, too, as people are less and less um, doing activism in the church, um, there aren't really those power structures to look to as we should have one person in charge. Um, But we've seen a one person, maybe this is from the Dark Knight. I think this is from, <laughs> <was> from Batman <laughs> Begins <laughs> and Ra's al Ghul says like one man can be destroyed. But if you have like a symbol or something like that, maybe Bruce Wayne said that. I don't know. But I, whatever. You know what I mean. I'm with you. Yes. Yeah. So yes. I think having, um, at this point, having a symbol and seeing Black Lives Matter as a symbol and not saying that they're not doing actual actual work because they are, um, but Instead of having one person in front who could easily be cut down, mm-hmm. arrested, detained, exiled, etc., cetera, um, and thus leaving the black community unsure of how to proceed. You could have a bunch of different leaders and a bunch of different um, affiliates and associates so that the movement can continue without you yeah. um, and I don't think that the civil rights movement didn't continue without dr. King but I, I mean it was a it was a huge loss for sure
0: yeah no I mean it's it, right I mean yes and there's a lot of conversation around that like what does you know modern-day civil rights movement look like right and especially after like you know the 60s and then in the early 70s like what you know what has happened you know mm-hmm. to black America um yeah, no, I mean, I think that's interesting. Well, then let me ask you this. So then what would you say, this comes up a lot. This comes up a lot. I'm sure you've heard this as well. This comes up a lot. You know, um, man, these millennials, these Gen Y, Gen Z, man, they are entitled. What do you say to that? They just feel entitled. They feel entitled to the, this, 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 this comes up a lot. So I just be curious, like what, what, uh, how you respond to
2: that, Faye? Um... <laughs> Well, my first thought is to be annoyed all right. um, because millennials did not raise ourselves. So if you think that we're entitled, maybe you should talk amongst yourselves <laughs> as to why that is. Um, we also grew up in an age of the Internet where all of a sudden all of the information that you want is at your fingertips. Mm-hmm. Um an increasingly globalized society where if, you know, if you're a person of means or, you know, at least middle class, nearly anything that you could think of to buy is at your fingertips. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it doesn't help that there's consumerism marketed specifically to children um, in, in the 90s, in the 2000s. Now it's even worse. Um, so, I mean... If we're talking about why millennials might be entitled, maybe that is part of it. Um, but when you say entitled, like, what are the contexts where people are saying Oh, I mean, it events? comes
0: up in everywhere, right? I mean, in the classroom, they're entitled, you know, in the church. Man, these kids just feel entitled. They, you know, they they, they act like they just, they got everything coming to them. They, they deserve everything coming to them. And, you know, they feel like they don't, um, you know, they, they um, what are some of the things they, they come back with? Because uh, it's in social settings as well. Like, you know, they just feel like. You know, these young people feel like they can just dictate how things are supposed to go or they're not listening. I mean, so I'd just be curious. I mean, because this is, you know, looking at generational studies, this is not a new critique. No. <laughs> Especially since we've been dealing with the word, you know, adolescence, right? Like, yeah. I mean, you know, it's like almost every older generation feels a certain way about the next generation behind them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'd be curious because this comes up so much, yeah, whether it be does. whether it be politics, whether it be, you know, these millennials, they feel, you know, they, they're doing this and look what made, I mean. And you have ads that say, OK, millennials have gotten rid of stores like Sears or gotten rid of, you know, you know, big brick and mortar or they've got away with a taxi service because now they're doing Uber or Lyft mm-hmm. and stuff. So that's part of that entitlement as well.
2: Yeah. Um, well, Come I, on. I don't. I do not think that millennials are any more entitled than young people who came before them. Mm-hmm. But something that is confusing for me, I think, so it depends on which group of millennials that you're talking about. I think that children of immigrants are often, especially if they are people of color, Yeah, um, they're not going to be entitled. And I sound like I'm tooting my own horn, but I will say <laughs> that the the folks that I have met who is similarly to myself are either first or second generation or a mixture of both, they don't have those entitlement issues. Um, I think hmm. entitlement comes when you expect America to work for you, which can be a a good thing if you expect um social services, police officers that don't kill you, et cetera. Um yeah, but I think it yeah. can be a bad thing if you are a person of privilege and you don't understand that the world does not revolve around you. Yeah. And the sun doesn't shine out of mm-hmm. you know yes. insert <laughs> <laughs> anatomical reference point yes, here. Yes. Yeah. So I mean I can understand the um the how would I say this, the critique about entitlement. But, you know, I think rich kids are often entitled. I mean, there's just, and that is not a generational thing. Um, And there seems to me, a a lot of history that has been lost and so how can you say well these kids don't understand they don't know how they didn't they didn't have to do xyz thing they didn't know how bad we had it and so one it's like well don't you do you want your your child or whoever to have to go through those same things is that is that what you want? I don't think so. So maybe we should be happy that they're not experiencing yeah, that. Yeah. yeah. Um, but also, the second thing is, if you never tell people what your experiences have been, how do you expect them to know and be yeah. grateful um, if you don't um, approach them, too, with hmm. respect um, and the ability to listen to you and i mean i'm there are some people who just don't listen but that's not an age thing um yeah and i and i guess one thing that is fair to say too um is that because we've grown up in this technological age as Mm -hmm. well where everything again is instant maybe there is a trend away from history and trends away from, oh, well, you know, that happened in the past and it still matters today. yeah Um, And perhaps there is a shorter attention span than there used to be. Um, But it also, like the job market and the workforce is changing. So it's not just that you should be able to do one thing Mm -hmm. well, you have to be able to do many things well. That's a good point. So...
0: Yeah, it's a real good point.
2: I don't know. And when you factor in the the gig economy that has cropped up and you have all of these millennials working various different jobs trying to make ends meet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some of them feel entitled to help from the government. <laughs> um and and also um we we as Americans have put youth on this pedestal um, because we use it to sell things. Yeah, of course. Um, And so I understand that people are are bitter about that and sort of like, well, why should these young kids try to tell me anything? But what we're also seeing with the internet is that the playing field is being leveled, which Mm. again has been bad in some ways because that means that quote unquote news from Russian bots can sit next to um an article from the New York Times on Facebook and they look like that they have equal weight um but it makes people feel like their voice can also matter in the conversation and the whole children should be seen and and not heard <laughs> and you need to respect your elders has kind of gone out of the window mm. because people are now getting platforms and realizing Sort of recognizing their own power. Now, sometimes it's like you—you you just need to sit down somewhere and read a book. <laughs> <coughs> Kanye. Um, <laughs> yeah, brother Kanye. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I mean, I just—I think that the internet has changed the game in terms of how we process information and mm-hmm. how we relate to one on, one another. Um, so people feel. Empowered. Yeah. And sometimes they need to be checked. But I think overall, that power is a good thing. And Mm -hmm. maybe if you think that they're entitled, you could have a conversation with them about that. Um, And, you know, I'll end with this a lot of what people think is entitlement is actually just marginalized folks asking for space Mm. and rights from. Privileged folks. I And I'm thinking specifically in the case of like the classroom um, and people worrying that their free speech um, is going to be limited. Um, and I don't think that that is the case. I don't want to get into the whole safe spaces thing because that is just, it's just a can of worms. Mm. But I do think that the principle of everybody should feel Safe and not safe like nothing bad will happen to you or nobody's going to hurt your feelings, but safe in that they will be respected and Mm -hmm. show dignity. And that is not the case in many classrooms, um, especially at predominantly white institutions. It's not necessarily safe for people of color um, or for women sometimes to say what they really need to say. Um, So I don't know. I think if the idea of safe spaces actually makes room for dialogue instead of letting Hmm. white men take over the conversations, then that's a good thing. Mm -hmm. And most of the people who are complaining about that particular entitlement are white men. And I think the way that we treat people who have the least amount of power, and this is something that um, one of the people I lived with last year would say often, the way that you treat the people at the bottom um, say a lot about, It says a lot about who you are and what you actually believe, as opposed to what you are doing in Mm. the streets.
1: Today's teens, like this group of high school friends in Montclair, New Jersey, don't need to be chased down. They're putting themselves out there online for anyone to see. They tell the world what they think is cool, starting with their own online profiles. You Need your profile picture or cover photo? I don't know. you want me to do it?
4: But you can't have a cover photo by yourself.
1: Mm. Listen to Jenna. She's the master of Facebook. Come on,
4: we're trying to get 400 likes, 100 likes on your profile <laughs> picture. <laughs> a
5: profile picture is kind of like how you want people to visualize you. You put your best foot forward. Yeah.
6: Um, and your cover photo kind of tells about your personality.
5: Okay, guys. Trace do you think Darius should do this picture? Hang on there.
6: All right, that picture as his 50%? profile picture? Yeah, I, I vote
5: no. Okay.
1: What is it you That's would want the profile yeah. to accomplish? You wanted to show the true Darius. And <laughs> <laughs> I mean, usually when you think of Darius, he's always smiling, he's always a happy guy to be around. So.
4: <laughs> so cute.
1: Uh-huh. So it's this one?
7: Yes. Yeah, it's really
1: cute. We found a photo of when he's like smiling and being yeah. his, true, his true self. Is it true you now? My my profile is definitely a true me now. Definitely a true <laughs> me. Compared with the kids I met 13 years ago, They're this so group powerful. seemed so sophisticated.
5: What's your caption going to be,
1: Darius? He you, you didn't put anything. Up. You need a caption. Uh, but as they sat there doing a virtual makeover on their friend's profile, Wait, okay. they revealed a vulnerability. How did you get almost 400 likes on your profile
7: picture? Exactly.
1: Likes. You were kind of surprised at her the high number of. Yeah. Why is that? Three, three, four hundred is a lot? For example, we just posted a a picture of me, my new profile picture, and I got like 14 likes. Boys get less than girls. girls Yeah, yeah, in 20 minutes, though. Yeah, yeah, but she had 300. Likes, follows, friends, retweets. They're the social currency of this generation. Generation like. The more likes you have, the better you
0: feel. My next conversation takes place with a young woman named Ocean. Ocean is an exchange student. She comes to us not from the United States, and her perspectives are very unique. Her perspectives engage really where a lot of mainline Europe has been and where a lot of, I believe, evangelicals feel that they, uh, they feel the United States is headed to. Oceane opened up to me and, and we had a great conversation. She was a former student of mine in one of my classes. And she struck me with just how sharp she was and engaged with the material as it related to intercultural communication, race and gender. So I figured, hey, let's have a conversation about where you think and where you where you think the church is and what your experience has been being in a higher Christian education organization. Oh, yeah, it got good. Here's what we talked about.
4: Um, being in campus uh, is an amazing experience because I'm living with Americans. Um, and so I have a different perspective of uh, what they live here in America, which is totally different than France. Hmm. Um, with Trump, I remember when he was elected, I cried, <laughs> even though it's not my country. <laughs> yeah. And I felt, yeah. I felt really um, into it. I was like... It's not my country but i'm actually living here for i was like three years at the time okay um so i f- i felt like it was also a part of me um and mm. i was kind of struggling about like why americans choose um <laughs> elect yeah trump as a president you and me both <laughs> yeah like, <laughs> I also got scared because uh, the election, presidential election in France mm-hmm. was six months after. That's
0: right, that's right yeah.
4: And it terrified me hmm. knowing that Americans choose Trump, that yeah. maybe French could vote for a person like him. yeah uh, which happiness we did not have. Uh, but it was right. really it was really close. Yeah, it was, it, it was really close. It was a woman called Le Pen, mm-hmm. and she's as crazy as Trump, I think. Yes, I heard. Uh, yeah. I heard. Wow. Uh, in France, we have two 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 elections. So the first one is like approximately um, 18 candidates, like 20 candidates. Mm-hmm. And then the second tour is like just two, and she was one of the two.
0: Okay. All right interesting that is interesting and so what has then being at a campus that is christian been like for you what has been your own spiritual journey maybe we'll start there what has been your own spiritual for,
4: journey? yeah for me it was really hard at first <laughs> um because i'm uh i've been raised catholic
7: okay all right
4: but as i think around the age of 13 my um my mom is really Catholic. My dad, not so much. Um, <laughs> I
0: was really Catholic. All right. Yeah, exactly. Yes.
4: So we had this discussion where like, I was the one choosing. Okay. Like around like 13 or 14, if I wanted to follow, still go to church, mm-hmm. go to those class that we're taking. Uh, and I said, no, because I didn't thought that um, religious was part of me.
0: Okay. Yeah.
4: Uh So coming to North Park was a little bit hard because I felt like a kid, uh, kid again and where the choice wasn't mine mm, anymore. Interesting. Because um, uh, a lot of teachers are all um, bringing spirituality and Christianism uh, into their class. Yes, and so I had to learn the, all this again, and I had to kind of deal about with spirituality mm-hmm. in my class. Okay, in my class. Okay, um, that's why it was a little bit hard.
0: Oh, I can imagine. Yeah, I can imagine. Were there is was there any anyone at any point ever like try to like save you or hand you literature or anything like that? Anything crazy like that?
4: Uh, no it's not like that it's like some books uh, a lot of books that teacher are giving us are mm-hmm. talking a lot about spirituality and okay. uh, they try to um, uh, relate spirituality with their, uh, the course that they taught okay um, and um, I feel Felt like it's not what I signed for. I signed for a university. I signed for a diploma, bis- yes. business and communication. Yes. And I didn't sign for a class about spirituality. Yes. Okay. Um, I also felt that it wasn't really fair for other people that wasn't religious or people who had another religion, mm-hmm. uh, like Muslim or in, in Hindu. Like we have Muslim here. Yeah. And like yeah. I mean, they are not agree with that. Like, they have a different thought about religion mm-hmm. that is not the same. And um, I just think that if we want to be all equal, it would be better to um, um, maybe leave a little bit the Christian Christianity part uh, a little bit, um, I don't know how to say that, uh, like a pose mm-hmm. of it. Mm-hmm. Like making the student... Uh, and it's to be a choice for the students.
0: I got you. I got you. How were you then? So If your mom was really Catholic, dad mm-hmm. wasn't. So how how were you raised? How what did, what did religion then look like for you growing up as a kid? Did you have to go to mass? Did you have to partake in like communion? And- uh,
4: yeah, I had like class. Uh, it was like after school. It's like it's not part of the school. So it's okay. something that we do um, as an activity after school. Okay, nothing to do with school because in France um, public school don't deal with uh, religion at all.
0: Ah, okay. All right. Um,
4: So public school has to be atheist, which means that there is no religion. Got it. So uh, my mom forced me, not really forced me, I was little, so like I had to listen, (laughs) I guess. But yeah, my mom wanted to go to those class after school, uh, which I enjoyed because I think it was a good learning and I'm happy to do that. Yeah. Uh, Even, me, I'm thinking about, like, if one day I have kids, I would love to, like, uh, make them going uh, there to those class Because hmm. I think it's important to maybe not be born with religion, but to yeah. um, give an opportunity to our kids. Okay. Even though they can choose after to not believe or to believe, but it's important to give the education of it, I think.
0: Hmm, yeah. interesting. Yeah.
4: It, I think it opened their mind. Okay. Bit. Um, so I was happy to go there Plus I was with my friend I didn't really mind Yeah But then I was home And I had my mom Forcing me to go to church And forcing me to those class And I had On the other side My dad Who was saying like Oh no That's sorry for my language But that's bullshit <laughs> So it was <laughs> Keep it real Yeah It was <laughs> it was weird Like I was really I felt like I had to To choose a side
0: Okay Yeah Yeah um, Yeah But I Man think that's interesting well i mean i'd be curious then because you know everybody here has to take at least two bible courses they're required so you exactly, you know yeah. intro and then you gotta take some other theology or new testament mm-hmm. or whatever i mean what is, what has that been like have you ever been in any chapels you know all mm, of that
4: i've been one time i think to the chapel but okay. because they give me like extra credit and I there think you that, go that was the reason that's the thing that i'm saying like it's not a choice for students it's um if they wanted to go extract it, they have to go there, okay. It's not really a choice, like of course everybody wants to extract it, so um, uh I didn't felt like it was a choice, but I felt like it hmm. was more an obligation
0: oh okay, okay, yeah. interesting, and so where would you say you, like you were at now? I mean, you just mentioned you said maybe you have kids and whatnot and what mm-hmm. What's the outlook for Oceania, moving out and moving um, on? Because you're getting ready to graduate.
4: Yeah, I'm graduating in <laughs> December. So with my visa, I have the opportunity to stay one more year.
0: Oh, wow. Okay. Find a job. Okay. So I'm
4: looking for a job right now. Okay. Uh, hopefully, I'll find it before January. Yes. Um, If not, I have the project to go back to Europe, mm-hmm. go um, to Amsterdam and doing my master there.
0: Nice. Mm-hmm. Nice. What would you do then?
4: Uh, master. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna do my master either in finance or in marketing. Man,
0: all right. So you want you you can do money. You gonna make some money and hook it up.
4: I want my project is to f- first start with uh, finance because mm-hmm. I want to um yeah to make money and try to save the most because after I want to work for a nonprofit. Mm-hmm. Oh. So I want to save the most money I can. To give to that nonprofit, yes, um, and work for them, and using my marketing major, or um, planning event to fundraise for this um, uh, this nonprofit.
0: Okay, okay, man, yeah. so you, you got some big plans. That's what I'm talking about.
4: Yeah, hopefully it will work.
0: <laughs> yes, indeed, indeed, indeed. Um. So so, it's So getting ready, getting ready to graduate, all that good stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, How would you look at in in terms of where, again, this is this. That's why I'm interested in your perspective coming from where you came. And how would you say the state of the U.S. is in regards to like religion as compared to France and where you grew up?
4: Uh, in France, they are trying to have this um, atheist politics, Okay. so no religion because there's all different kind of people, so mm-hmm. like I said in public school, we don't talk about, well, we don't talk about religion. We learn in history about every kind of religion, but they don't try to um, persuade us about one religion. Mm -hmm. Um, For example, we can't wear a cross People, Muslim can't wear their um, I don't know what it's called The hijab Yeah, the hijab Okay Um, So living in France um, from really young I think, except in our family But in school, we learn to um, not live with our religion To not share our religion with everybody
0: Okay, all right all right.
4: Well, I think that in the States, being Christian is a big part of the whole country, mm-hmm. uh, which kind of shocked me a little bit because we don't think about other people who might not be Christian. Mm-hmm. Uh, in France, I have a lot of Muslim friends, and it's totally normal for us to be mixed up, to be with Muslim, Indian, and every kind of religion. Well, here I felt like there is a lot of um, inequality because... The more, the main religion is only Christian. And that's okay. it. And even the prison, like, I believe the prison has to be Christian, right? The prison you said? Yeah. The prison has to like...
0: Um. Well, I mean, they have chaplains. there. Most mostly, a lot of them yeah. are Christian.
4: Okay. I yeah. thought it was like... yeah, Because like, I felt like every prison in America always talk about God. Yeah, most, yeah. And most of their speech. Yeah. Interesting. Yes. Yes. Uh, I don't know the percentage of the population who is Christian, but I felt like so it means that some people are left alone.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um,
4: but that's my education. That's that's what I live in France. Like they were trying to not focus on one kind of person. Mm-hmm.
0: No, 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 no. I don't know. Absolutely. We go. I'm, I'm, I mean, and that's interesting. Just as you talk about that, because I think you know, a large part of American Christianity is about going out and going and, you know, preaching and teaching to the mm-hmm. masses and particularly those who don't know God. Yeah. Um, but that sounds like for you, that would be a little bit more intrusive, different.
4: Uh, yeah, a little
0: bit. So you wouldn't stand out here in the corner like the other day they were handing out Bibles sitting there in the corner.
4: No, I wouldn't
0: do that. <laughs> <laughs> what, I mean, what, and what do you think of when you see somebody like that? What's you know, like, what, what crosses your mind? How do you, how, what do, you, how do you engage with, with that particularly?
4: Well, if people come to me and tell me, "Oh, I want to teach you about like, like Christianity," I will just say, "Well, I n- know enough to tell that it's not a part of me." And um, I think it's important to teach religion to people, but I think it's important to teach every kind of religion. To okay, people. all right. Because they they need the ch- they need the choice. They need to understand. Um, if you just come to someone and tell, "Oh, Christianity is the best," but they don't know anything about other religion, how they can decide of, "Oh, yeah, that's that's my religion. That's mm-hmm. what I believe in."
0: Yes, no, that's a good point. It's a good point. If you don't have all the options. Yeah, if you, you don't
4: have all the options, if you don't have the knowledge of all the option.
0: Hmm. So let me ask you this then: What, how would you identify then spiritually, religiously, or if at all?
4: How I uh, define myself. Yes. I do think there is something. Um, I mean, science, I believe a lot of science, but Good? I believe yes. also science can't um, explain everything. Mm-hmm. And there is something that is way much bigger than us. Um, I just don't know what it is. Mm. Um, I don't think it's one God. I don't think it's a lot of gods. I don't think it's someone above us saying um, that created us. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think there is something bigger than us, but I I can't tell what it is.
0: All right. Well, let me ask you some basic. Let me ask some basic questions. Then, mm-hmm. That's this is good. So, when you die, what do you think?
4: Um. Well, I hope there is something after. Most people do. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I honestly think that that's the beautiful thing in life is like you're here for a certain time, amount of time, and then after you're gone but you'll be in people's mind. Uh, That's how you stay alive. I think Mm. so. Even if you die and even if there is nothing, um, the fact that people will remind you, Mm -hmm. um, keep you um, keep a part of your soul alive. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Well, Um, go ahead. Yeah. And I think that, yeah, like I said, it's the beautiful part of life. It's like, it's not infinity. It's like, Mm you have a certain time and you have to make it worth it.
0: I hear that. I hear that. Well, I mean, it's similar to like in the, you know, the Mexican tradition where, you know, Dia de los Muertos, you know, Mm -hmm. they, you know, it's like if you keep somebody alive in the afterworld, right? By.
4: Yeah, exactly.
0: Picture remembering them, Mm -hmm. you know, and stuff. So yeah, that's interesting. Um, So heaven, hell, what do you think? Purgatory.
4: I do not believe in either heaven or, uh, yeah, even in hell. I think um, um, I don't think someone can choose. Oh, you're a bad person. You should. You hmm. deserve to go to hell. Okay. You're a good person. You deserve to go to um, heaven. I think um, human nature is to do mistake, and um, being good is to understand this mistake and to not doing it again mm-hmm. um of course there's people that um if even exists i of course there's people who don't deserve it but who is to say that they don't deserve it okay i don't know how to explain i don't know if it's clear
0: no that's clear no that's real clear no i'm, I'm with you i'm with you
4: i think that um Believing in heaven is something that help people acting, um, good. Okay. While, um, I don't think you need that to being a good person. Yes. I don't think he, people should act because they want to go to heaven. They should act because they want to be good. Mm-hmm. It's not because there is a, a good ending that they should act. Okay. So I feel like, um, Thinking about Evan is a little bit uh, selfish in a way.
0: Ah, okay, all right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I hear you. Well, I mean, that's 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 been talked about before, right? Yeah. It's Like you know, I
4: mean, it's selfish if you're acting the way you do only because you want to go to Evan. Okay. That's the thing. Okay. Yeah.
0: Uh, yeah. Well, yeah, that's. Uh, yeah, I mean, you bring up a, a few good things there. With in terms of how do we interpret good yeah is it good just is it good for goodness sake right Mm -hmm. or is it actually good because well let me get some merits so that i can go to heaven and then i can be
4: exactly this
0: special person yeah yeah
4: then all your action are just like kind of fake it's Mm -hmm. not you don't do that for the people around you you do that for yourself and for the end of the of the path
0: now I'd be curious to you know so you talked about okay possibly raising kids and you would mm-hmm. want them to go through that what would that look like then just out of curiosity I know you're not marrying and kids and all that now but
4: <laughs> not ready for that yet. yeah no 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 I hear you oh, but I, I do hear think you. about it yeah uh you mean about spirituality
0: well yeah I mean so you know you said you went through the school you'd like for them to go through that I mean what would how would that yeah how would that look like then
4: I think I would like to teach them um maybe Catholic because that's what I raised. I was raised and that's the religion that I know most. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just thought about that because we had this discussion with my best friend a couple of years ago and she was never raised with any religion. Okay. And she was telling me um, that she was kind of sad because she never had these um, uh, people around her telling her, oh, teaching her about this religion She knew a lot about it because of history class, Mm -hmm. but she didn't have this community of people um, looking for her or teaching her. And she was telling me that she wished sometimes her parents would have, like, teach her more about it. Yeah, interesting. While me, I was in the other way. I was like, well, I've been raised with that, but I don't feel like I need it. Hmm. And after the discussion I realized that well maybe teaching your kid about one religion, uh, might open them their mind to other religion.
0: Okay. Okay. Okay, I got you.
4: But then now I felt (laughs) like if you open a kid to a religion, he Uh might never gonna get out of it. Yeah. Uh, Or he might never gonna switch religion.
0: Yeah. I already know. So a lot of my listeners, you know, they're pretty progressive and Mm -hmm. and what have you. But I'm sure there might be somebody out there, right, who still kind of holds on to that evangelical thought that without God, right, you can't be happy. You can't Mm -hmm. experience true happiness. What would you say to that?
4: Uh, I do think we can express true happiness. Okay. Like, I believe, like, um, maybe I say that because I'm— Like a lot of people always say it, I'm a, um, how do you say it? Uh, I have a good life. Like I have parents who take care of me. I have a nice family. I have, uh, I'm lucky enough to go to school. So maybe I say that because I'm, I'm just lucky and I, I was born in the right place, Hmm. but I do think that I'm truly happy. Um, So I do believe that, true happiness can be possible for everybody who actually tried to, to be happy and to not seeing, um, bad everywhere. Yeah. Um, I think happiness comes also, uh, by trying really hard and by enjoying life, how it goes and to take the opportunity that you, that, um, that life offers you mm-hmm. and also to push yourself, um, until you reach your goals. And my goal was to be happy, and I think I'm happy enough. Right I now. That. No,
0: that's good. No, that's good. Well, and they say, you know, other countries other than U.S., you know, we're pretty unhappy here in the United States. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I heard
4: that. But I think people, I think it's because people try to reach a too higher goal. Mm-hmm. Like, if they see life as simple as it is, um, people will be more happy with their own life. Mm. Uh, I always tell my friends that being happy is being surrounded by the people you love. Hmm. And I'm not surrounded by my family, but I choose friends here and I choose people that I wanted to be with. Yeah. And that's what mostly makes me happy. And that's also my most mat- motivation in life. Wow. The people that I'm surrounded to. Wow.
0: It's a good word. I like that. That'll preach, as they say. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So, last question. Let me ask you this then. So, what would be your words of advice to somebody who is studying to become like a pastor or a reverend? You know, they're going to school for this, they're in like graduate yeah. school, or maybe even getting their doctorate to mm-hmm. do this. And they are they are their their goal is to get into some kind of faith-based organization. What what would you say to them?
4: I think the most important that, uh, part for those people is to understand that people don't believe in the same, uh, same the same thing as them. What I reproach the most with pe- religious people, is they usually don't understand that not everybody has the same religion, not everybody believes in something, and that's that's fine. Like everybody is different, and everybody should be different. Um, so I think it's really important for. Uh, people who studying uh, spirituality in um, these studies, it's to understand different perspective of it. To not be close-minded about, oh, my belief is mm-hmm. the right one. Because okay. nobody is right and nobody is wrong, I think. I think everybody is a part of the truth.
7: Quick. It's now possible for kids like Daniel to never have to go through the puberty of their biological sex but timing is crucial. So Daniel's parents are taking him to a clinic in Chicago. The gender program at Lurie Children's Hospital is one of a growing number of clinics around the country providing treatment to gender nonconforming and transgender kids.
6: Hi, how are you? Did you grow Good.
3: since last time I saw you? Um, yeah. And you just had a birthday, <laughs> right? On the 20th? Happy belated? Shoes off if you don't mind, okay?
5: So these kids really are a, a new generation who's being who are being cared for completely differently than children were in the past. And that is it's exciting for them to have opportunities that somebody wouldn't have had even even ten years ago. Um, but it's also very challenging for the medical community to find the right way to do this.
3: Stuff down here, I'm sorry tell you.
5: One of the biggest developments in the
7: treatment of transgender kids came in 2007 with the introduction of hormone blockers, drugs that suspend puberty and slow all physical development.
5: The pubertal blockers um, are the medicines that pause puberty. So the idea is that we can just put the pause button on puberty and let children have a little more time to grow and develop and, and... Be more confident of their gender identity.
7: But the treatment of transgender kids can be controversial. It's a field of medicine with very little research, and the few studies that do exist suggest that for most kids, the distress about gender will shift with time.
3: The majority of children with gender dysphoria um, will not grow up to be transgender adolescents or adults. But I think the challenge is that we're not able to definitively predict for whom gender dysphoria will continue, and for those that it may not continue.
5: Our goal is to try to figure out which children are going to continue to identify as different than their natal sex. And we don't have any definitive test to do that right now. And that's that's very challenging. I wish there was a test to say, oh yeah, of course, you're five and you think this now, and you will when you're 15, and you will when you're 30. I mean, we don't have it though, so it's a real challenge.
7: Hello, hello. Look who's here. How are you, Daniel? But there is growing consensus that the more intense gender dysphoria is in childhood, the more likely it is to persist, and that puberty itself can also be a telling predictor.
3: And I just wanted to see if you were noticing any changes in your body recently that had you maybe feeling worried or sad? Well,
6: this um, one over here, it like, it started getting real tender.
3: I think uh, Daniel had been really concerned about mm-hmm. how quickly this was gonna happen and just really feeling strongly about not developing breasts. Mm-hmm. And um, my husband and I want to do anything we need to to keep his emotional uh, well-being in mind and mm-hmm. how he feels about himself. Okay. Early intervention does make a huge difference. Once physical changes, some physical changes of puberty have occurred, um, you know, voice deepening in boy-bodied people, for instance, they are irreversible. So really starting puberty-blocking medications as early as possible is really important for some people who are really experiencing distress.
5: So, there is a, a very, very faint amount of, um, of breast tissue under the, um, under the right breast. I mean, it's, it's just a little tiny bit. We typically want to see that a, that a child has had, has had a little bit of pubertal development, but that's the point at which we can start sort of talking about blocking puberty. Mm-hmm. The medications that we use for puberty blockers um, all work. And for the most part have um, have few side effects. This is a sample of what the implant is. Mm, that small. Yeah. The medications are very expensive, and so they can be fifteen to twenty-five thousand dollars a year for some of these things, which is cost prohibitive for most people. So we have been, we have worked on an option that um, that we have we can offer here now, actually, which is called Vantus, and its FDA approval is for um, men with prostate cancer. But this has been used successfully by pediatric endocrinologists taking care of kids like Daniel. Mm-hmm. Um, and it seems to work just as well, and it is a lot less expensive. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, Vantas is not its not approved for children, but none of these medications are actually approved for use in, in this mm-hmm. situation. And for any of these meds. Oh, for any of them, okay. okay. We, we have a lot of experience in pediatric endocrinology using pubertal blockers. And from all the evidence we have, they are generally a very safe medication. But the concerns with this population are just different because we're using them at a little different age and for a different purpose. So whether it is having any negative effect on their adult bone density or their neurologic development, I think is, we, we don't know. I much prefer to take care of conditions that have been well researched um, and well studied for 50 years and that is not the case here. Um, We we just really need good research that we don't have yet.
3: They're, They're not easy decisions to make and they shouldn't be made quickly and I think the take home message today is that nothing is going to happen quickly.
5: Okay? Nothing. This generation of kids are really, they're, they're the pioneers. They're going to be the ones to teach us.
0: My last conversation takes place with a good friend of mine named Naomi. Naomi's engagement with religion, faith, and gender is very unique. And she really doesn't necessarily even consider herself a Christian anymore. So I figured, hey, when you and I need to have a conversation. I first met Naomi a few years back. And sh- her sister had actually caught my attention in regards to her involvement with social justice and social equity movements here in local Chicago. And when I met her, Naomi, she did not disappoint <laughs> with her engagement with social justice and equity. Naomi had a chance to share a little bit about her experience with Young Life and what that was all about and just exactly where she feels she fits in in that complex intersection of gender religion faith race and just being where she's at and her age and socio-political time in the era that we find ourselves in with the trumpster here's what we had a chance to talk about in regards to that
6: um i was raised christian Uh i'd say i guess yeah evangelical okay But I was raised in a covenant church. Yeah, Grace Evangelical Covenant Church. Yes, I was raised evangelical.
0: Okay, (laughs) Grace is in the name. That's right, it's there. It's
6: there. Yeah, (laughs) Um, yeah. My whole family, I mainly grew up with my mom's side of the family because they're all in Chicago. My dad's side's all in Colorado, basically. Okay. And now all over, but... Um, And they're all... We all identified as Christian growing up. I went to a Christian middle school.
0: Oh, all uh, right. All the
6: way up into eighth grade. So I was really immersed in that. And, um, yeah, that Christian middle school was... I think that when I was in it, I thought it was, like, more progressive than it was, you know? Yeah. But it clearly wasn't in, like, hindsight. It was just not a great place, I would say. Yeah. Um, I mean, I enjoyed my time there, and... um, I think Christianity, like, worked with who I was when I was younger. Like, I, I feel like I was more... I don't know. Like, yeah. It just fit in because all my friends were Christian. All mm-hmm. my parents were Christian. Like, my entire community was Christian. So, there wasn't much outside of that that I had exposure to. Yeah. It was like, I was really into it. Like, felt like I had a really deep personal relationship with God when I was younger. Mm-hmm. And that was, like, a really big part of my identity all growing up. Um, and then when I got into high school, I got into... Young life, after going and working at yeah. young life camp, okay, over my freshman summer, um, or going into my sophomore year, I guess, okay, um, and yeah, like through young life, I felt like I it became more like it, it became it helped me grow personally because I was like it was the first time where I was like around a lot of people that like I had a community. I feel like in high school, I didn't really have a community, and so okay. it, was like, it brought me into like their folds that way. Uh-huh. But also in the same time, I like started like, you know, was, I was in the Colorado and there's a lot of Southern young life influences there. And just, it was a hard environment to be in because it was like very sexist. And,
0: uh, and did you know about, I mean, did, and did you, when you say it was sexist, I mean, so as a young person, I know sometimes it's hard, you could feel it, but then you don't necessarily know it as yeah. as a young person. Did you, did you pick up on that?
6: Yeah, or? I think that I did because yeah, like my, I feel like growing up, my mom was always about, um, and my dad too was always about like your gender doesn't mean like you mm. do certain things. Like, okay, my dad is a, um, he does remodeling and construction, and he always would have us. We all had our toolboxes growing up, and I love it. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, it was awesome, and and like of, I have four siblings, and of the four of us, like I was the one who liked it the most, and like and felt like I was good at it, so. Mm-hmm. We would always do little projects like that. And I ended up working for him later. But um, so I feel like I always had that kind of influence of like, you know, you don't need to be limited because you're a woman or whatever. Yeah. And, you know, obviously for my mom, too, she was always like she's always been really strong. and I've mm-hmm. always been like I felt like they lead our family together. Um,
0: all right. So yeah. they all right. So they raised you then kind of in a as the young people say, woke state would you say
6: yeah i would say like and i thought when i was in it i thought that i was like oh they are really like progressive like Uh and then i can see like looking back i think we can all see how it's like we've all come a lot further from there but Mm -hmm. in the moment i thought that it was like um really progressive and it was I, i guess but um but yeah so so i grew up my whole life like kind of having that mentality of being like when someone told me that I couldn't do something or like in PE class, you know, like I was always like, I got to <laughs> yeah. show up everybody. Like I, I got, I got to work harder because I know that I'm just as good as you. like right. Don't try right. to play that. I'm not or something. Um, so I feel like I always kind of had that mentality and then going, yeah, to young life camp where it was like, I didn't really feel like growing up. I was like stifled too much because of my gender. Like I had people being like, you can't do that because you're a woman. Like I would just kind of be like, well, I can't, so I'm going to do it. <laughs> but but at Young Life it was like really sist like it was like really built into the system, you know? It was like In
0: terms of what? Like, when you say built into the well, system. Well
6: like in in all of the jobs that were like you uh, could either be yeah. like on uh like a waiter or whatever, what was that called? Like dining room crew. Oh yeah, work
0: crew. Yeah. yeah work crew dining yeah. yeah. So
6: there was like laundry and then there was like all the outdoors people, like, those Mm -hmm. were all different sections, and, like, of course, like, the dining hall that was, like, men and women could both be there, but only men did, like, the physical labor that was, like, needed around the camp, and then only women were in the laundry room, (laughs) only women were cleaners, I was, like, that is such, like, BS, you know, it's, like, and that (laughs) really, like, got me, and I was, like, I feel like I've always kind of had a fire around that kind of stuff, because that was stuff that directly affected me growing up, you know, so it's, like, that's where I felt most, like, passionate or whatever, but, Mm but yeah forgot how we got there but
0: well no I mean I mean because I'm I would be curious too because you said you did Young Life in high
6: school yeah
0: and did you do it throughout yeah did you like the, the club and yeah. and campaigners and oh yeah all of it all of it
6: yeah because yeah, well I did my dad actually grew up on the camp that I later worked no at. No way. Yeah, so he was right, like- Which
0: camp was it? I got it from-
6: Frontier Ranch. Frontier Ranch!
0: <laughs> I got, I don't even know I have a t-shirt anymore from Frontier Ranch. Yeah,
6: I don't know if I do either. Oh my I used gosh. to have a bunch. That's okay. Like all I wore, but- uh, All right. Yeah, so he like, my, yeah, my grandpa ran that camp for like 16 years, and so my dad grew up on it, and so when we, we used to go out and visit there all the time growing mm-hmm. up, and so- I was finally just like, Oh, I would like to work here or something. And I had never done young life before, but I was like, so I just went and did work crew. That was my first young life thing that I ever did. Okay. And then when I came back, there was one kid who had been on my work crew with me, who was then also at home. Okay. And so I got connected with our young life there, (laughs) but, uh, so young life kind of really became my place where I like connected with people. Okay. And so then I think that it was, that was just my culture, you know, of like being in young life, being in Christian environment so I went to, I went to public high school Public high school. when okay. I, yeah, that was my first, yeah, that was like my first exposure to okay. like things outside of Christianity. Well, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of. That was like my first.
0: How would you then say, cause you know, there's all this research and data, you know, you take a kid from a Christian environment. What, what was that experience like transitioning from a Christian environment? Now you're into the secular world.
6: Yeah. <laughs> I feel like, I feel like I didn't have that much of like a. Oh my God, it's all like secular people. Yeah, like, yeah. I didn't really have that mentality. I feel like I feel like also because in Young Life I was kind of like, you know, there's like that othering factor of like, mm-hmm. well, we gotta go out and save these people. So I was yes. like all about like, well, connect with like.
4: Mm-hmm.
6: I don't know. I guess that I wasn't in Young Life at that point. So I don't know what my thought was. But I don't I didn't feel like I was like, oh my God. I can't be around these people they are secular or something. But I was like, I had always grown up with these kids mm-hmm. who like I had known since I was like a baby, you know? And then we went through eighth grade together. I had like 30 kids that I was with since I was like, you know, I don't know, eight or something. And so when I went into high school, I was like, it was a huge high school and I was just like shocked kind of, but I feel like I just kept to myself and I felt like I just relied on God. I was like, well, God's, Like God'll get me through it or something, or like that's all I need. Like okay, I don't know. It's kind of like a shelter for me.
0: Yeah, yeah. And with that, I mean, just relationships that you had with your friends and peers and stuff like that. How you know what was what what was that like? I mean, I it was was it Christian? Did you hang out with non-Christian? I mean, you know what I'm saying? I mean, like the whole you think about evangelical, you think oh I'm gonna go hang out with these people, but then there's a purpose behind it, right? It's like I'm gonna be friends with them.
6: Yeah. Not
0: because who they are, but because I want to save them. Yeah. Was there that
6: for you? I didn't think that I had that because I wasn't like. I wasn't confident enough in myself to Mm -hmm. have that kind of mentality. It was more like, like, I, I don't know. I didn't really, I guess, I guess my interactions did. I think that's maybe how I made myself like feel better about like talking to people. It was just like, oh, well I need to show them God's love right now. Or, you know, and it was just me being uncomfortable. I don't know. That didn't answer the question at all, but.
0: No, you were with it. We were with it.
6: Like, I don't know. I, I don't think that that was my thought when I was interacting with people, but then it would. I don't know that's all right yeah I, I, I mean I, I think that it was like always in the back of my mind like mm-hmm. that you know this is another this is like the other and I should be like I should be nice to them I think that's it like I should I should be like nice to them I should be like showing like that I'm like like um interested in them because mm-hmm. that's what God wants me to do and like That's like, that's the way that they would like be like, well, why is she like that? You know, because I was always told that growing up, it's like, be that way. So that people are like, why are they like that? And then they'll ask you and then, and then they'll become a Christian because you're so nice, you know? Yeah. So I think that that's kind of probably was like why I was nice or something or like why people maybe thought that I was nice.
0: No, I got you. I got So then we fast forward, you graduating. What year did you graduate?
6: I graduated in 13, I think. 2013? Wait, is that right? That sounds right Oh man No that sounds right Wow
0: Okay So 2013 yeah. So you were I mean I guess we should have, we, I didn't if you don't mind me asking Like how old are you now? Yes I'm
6: 22
0: now 22 Alright So yes. we, can do all, we can all do the math So you graduated 2013 Because um, you came up And then in kind of a post 9-11 arena yeah. I mean, From 01 to yeah.
6: 2013
0: I mean that's a, a chunk Yeah Of your life Yep um, we can get to that in a minute. But I I want to know what then did you think about college and then cuz you ended up in North Park or did you right. not where you or where did you go to other places? What
6: yeah. what happened? Well, I first started out at University of New Mexico.
0: Ah, I was okay. There for Look at one you. Semester. <laughs> one semester. One semester. Okay, so what happened? What happened in the University of New Mexico?
6: Right. So, I think that my shyness like kind of carried over into college and I lived off campus. Okay. In one of in, our, in a house that my parents, like some of their good friends, live in Albuquerque, which is where I went to college, and so I moved in with them. But um, I feel like I kind of, I didn't really connect with people that well mm-hmm. because I would always always just go right back to to home. You know? Yeah. Because I was like, well, where do I hang out? And like I I had met people, and I feel like you know had I been in like the place I am now, we it, it could have been buds. But I was just like, I felt like I didn't want to invite myself over to their or whatever and i was also involved in young life there
0: oh okay yeah young life carried over
6: yeah 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 that was like my thing where i was like okay that's my one thing i can do here but at that time i was already like questioning i was already like Uh, questioning everything and i don't even think i would have even called myself a christian then really that was a weird time to be
0: so and so this was okay well this is okay so this is good so what were those questions and when how did what was the genesis then of those questions
6: yeah, well, Olivia, my sister, had gone to North Park ahead of me. She was two years already into college. Okay, all and had right. had gotten involved with, like, Faith and Justice mm-hmm. and um, Sankofa. And... um And so she was already like telling me those things. And then I had already been going down and visiting her a lot because I didn't really have a community in high school. So I was like hanging out with her and like CC and like all these people that were friends with her at North park who were involved with social justice things. And, um, just like reading and, you know, um, just becoming aware of, yeah, social injustices and all that, all that stuff. Um, and, and so I was, becoming more aware of those things. And it just felt like, yeah. So as I became more aware of those things, like it started to fit less and less with like my upbringing and what I Mm -hmm. thought of like with what Christianity was. Hmm. Um, and so that's when I kind of started questioning things and it would start with like, and then, yeah, that would always like tap back into like my, like already, I guess, feminist kind of,
0: ah, you
6: know, passions or whatever. Okay. And, um, yeah, and I mean, I guess it had started before then too. Like, I had always, like, I had questions or, or, like, I'd become aware of, like, more social injustices, but it took a bit for that to catch up to then my faith. Like, because it was always, like, first, first, actually, when I was in eighth grade, we had to write this human rights violation paper. Uh. And that's kind of, like, where it started, I guess. Because uh-huh. I was like, I was like, oh, I was the first time where I was like, there are these, like, really, really crazy injustices. Mm-hmm. And, like, I feel like I should do something about it because it's like, when I read that, I get really pissed off. So it's like, you can't just do nothing with that. But, but then it was like, I took that into my arena of like Christianity and being like, well, like specifically, my paper was on like uh, women in Saudi Arabia. And so there's like a lot of stuff with, you know, um, like women in sex slavery. That was like a big part of my thing too. My paper. And, and so then my whole thing was just like, kind of, Dealing with that in a Christian context, like a, a white evangelical Christian context, All right. where I was like, these, um, like, if they just had God, like, I don't know, it was like, it was like almost like a focus on like, well, they just need to get out of it, like, mm-hmm. once they're out of it, like, uh, and I just pray with them, like, and and we, I just like tell them, um, I don't know, like, just once you remove that from the environ them from the environment, like, we can, they can be healed, and then we can, I don't know, like. And it just wasn't a holistic picture of, like, well, why are these things happening, like... Okay. And dealing with, like, systemically, like, how to take care of that. And and how it wasn't just, like... I don't know, I think that there was, like, an un- unintentional... Well, there was, like, just, like, a white... Like, I didn't understand my whiteness. Like, how did that... Like, uh, I have to be careful with that when dealing with those issues. Because, hmm. it's like, here I was thinking of, like, just women in Saudi Arabia and, like, being, like, well... I feel like God's calling me to like, I just need to be over there and like help these women out and like get involved and like, like go in there and get these women out of these brothels, like get these women mm, out of, you know? Yeah, and it's like, yeah. well, that just doesn't connect to anything that's already been done, you know? Or like there's, are there already are people doing that. And it's like, well, this is getting confusing how I'm saying this, but
0: no, I'm with you. I'm following
6: you. Yeah. Just like, there's no, when you're thinking about that, I just, and, and now when I s- talk to people who are trying to engage that still, who are white and women themselves,
7: mm-hmm.
6: it's just more so about, like, I'm going to go over there and, like, help them and, like, get them out of there. It's, there's no thing of, like, there's probably already people doing that who are, like, who have actually lived that experience, and, like, how can you sit and learn from them and... Mm, this is getting confusing.
0: Well, I mean, no, I'm, I'm following you. I mean, it's, it's, I'm asking those, I mean, for several reasons. I mean, cause I'm, I, and one, you're right. You're chronicling him. And so this is great, but I'm also trying to figure out like, what, what was that like then for you as you processed help? Right. I mean, social yeah. injustice. I mean, cause this is where we're at right, right now. It's like, oh, we have a bunch of injustices and now, you know, we have an administration that is like, you know, anti-everything. That right. seems to be anything right. justice related, even though they try to point it, plain it, put it in that sense of, oh, well, this is, you know, we're working for the American people. But I think what's missing is I think what you're trying to process here. And I think that's, that's key. It's like looking at the broader systemic issues. Like it, it's like, it's one thing to look at sex slaves and to be like, man, that's bad. We need to do something. But what created that system
6: mm-hmm.
0: who are the ones who continue to keep that because it's money yeah and who are the ones who can so I think that it does that sound like kind of what you were, you were starting to process
6: yeah yeah kind of and just like how it feels like like you hear these people talking about like wanting to end like, like myself you know like mm-hmm. wanting to end sex slavery and wanting to like get these women out of these situations or whatever but then it's like but in, in the way that I I was approaching it, and the way that I've s i have see people approach it now now that I'm like kind of on, on like a different page about that, it's like, uh, maybe you should just st- step back because like the way that you're trying to go about it is like like I feel like the way that I was trying to go about it was harmful. You know, it was mm-hmm. like I was gonna do more harm, much more harm than like good by getting involved the way that I thought that I should, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like Rather than, like, taking a step back and being, like, okay, let's look at the broader picture. Let's look at, like, yeah, the systems that keep this in place.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, that's exactly, exactly. So, you're going through college. You're thinking about these things, these broader things. You're still a Young Life leader?
6: Well, once I I left Albuquerque, I stopped being a Young Life leader. Ah,
0: okay. Yeah, and I
6: was already, like, on the...
0: You were on the fence.
6: On the, uh, yeah.
0: All right. And what, and what put you on the fence? What were some, what were some things there that you were thinking of and, and processing that, that put you on that fence and started questioning?
6: Yeah. Well, I was, I'd already been like, you know, like thinking about obviously, yeah, all the stuff that Olivia had taught me and like social injustice stuff. And then to see that played out in that environment Mm -hmm. of like mentoring kids and like actively putting these bad, my, like, bad thoughts into their minds that I was just like, ah, I cannot be a part of that anymore. And then for a while I like tried to be like, tried to like stop it yeah. within the system, I think, or yeah. within like young life. But it was just like, just always getting like, you know, that it never panned out well. Like they would always just continue with what they were doing. Even yeah. though I was like, okay, that's not good. Like we would like, we were in like a predominantly, like all of our kids were latino and mm-hmm. and we would still play the classic young life songs that are all like <laughs> brown eyed girl yeah exactly And it's like this doesn't connect with anybody like right. why are we playing this like yeah and it's just so old too it's just like it has no, no relevance right here, you know right. and it's like
0: I'm still playing deaf leopard
6: yeah and it was just <laughs> it was just like so weird to me and then we would like do skits and we would always be you know like talking about skits before they would happen obviously yeah and and they would like try to pull some like like racist shit, and I was like, or racist stuff. No, yeah, it's all good.
0: It's all good. Come on.
6: And profane face. Yeah. <laughs> and I was just like, and I would, and I would be like, this is racist. Like I would tell them, this is racist. This is why it's racist. Like, uh-huh. And 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 they'd be like, oh no, it's not. And then and then I would kind of like feel myself getting like taken out of those circles where we were talking about those things. And then I would show up at club the next week, and yeah. they would do the skit that was racist. You know, racist as <laughs> oh, hell. And it was no, like, oh man, oh my god, why are we doing? And then like. And then just, like, the components of, like, sexism were totally there, you know? It was, like, there was just clear misogyny, you know? Mm-hmm. And, like, the mm-hmm. setting up even of, like, the music stuff. Like, oh, you can't hold a microphone. That's too heavy for you, you know? Just, yeah. like, really, really stupid stuff. And I would always be like, no, I got it. It's fine, you know? <laughs> and, like, Oh, no. And then it was always, like, because I was always so adamant about, like, oh, carrying, like, a heavy, like, speaker or something. Like, mm-hmm. they'd be like, oh, my God, that's, like, that's crazy. And it was, like, and then... I don't know, like, it's like, that shouldn't be crazy. And by you, like, drawing so much attention to it, it's like, oh, it's not normal, like, yeah. that I can handle this or something.
0: Right. And, all right, so this is good. I mean, because this is, I mean, because, I mean, I you know, I worked for Young Life for many years. Right. <laughs> I was probably part of some of those racist skits. And so, I mean, I, had, I always struggled with the music. I hated the music, I, yeah. you know, and I don't play guitar. And I just, and even, and then I've always felt like, man, now I got to force my kids to listen to this music and to actually get into it but you're right it just didn't connect yeah so i'm curious now as in college because then when i met you right you know I, I had you in two classes hip-hop and then my black lives matter class Yep. you uh, oh, i should have brought it i should have brought it because i remember reading your student information sheet and that's what caught me i was like hmm this is an interesting student and i was like <laughs> I, I, I think i'm gonna like her um she so talked about like you're because you're in a different place now theologically yes so yes. where are you at now
6: mm-hmm. as
0: it pertains to your, quote unquote, faith journey? Yes. Talk to me about that. Where are yes. you at? Come on.
6: Well, I'm no longer a Christian. All right. And I like struggled with that for a long while. I think it was like three years where I was like, right. am I a Christian? Am I not a Christian? And that was like mm-hmm. my last year of, I feel like my last year of high school and then going into, I guess my, yeah, my first years of college. Hmm. I think that's probably my junior year of high school, whatever. Um So it
0: started as early as then.
6: Yeah, cuz that's when like Olivia was like telling me, you know, I was, just, was I was just learning a lot yeah, of stuff yeah, yeah. and and it's just like you become more and more more aware of the discrepancies between like, okay, well, I clearly believe that, you know, um I don't know, like that women can do anything that a man can do that like that black people are not less valuable than white people, you know, and like yeah. just just learning about like the history of Yeah, racism in this country, all that stuff. So then I was just like, like a lot of that I didn't see reflected in any sort of Christian environment that I'd ever been in, you know, that that Mm -hmm. was never like the forefront of like any discussions. And it was always about like, love your neighbor and just like all these like, you know, really quintessential things that like are just make you feel good. And like, I would recite to myself, you know, and be like, just just love your neighbor. But it's like, you can't do that if your context is to love your neighbor you've just been steeped in a racist society. So to love your neighbor, I don't know, like you don't even know how to love your black neighbor because what you've (laughs) never been told, like to to not act racist, you know, or to not be aware of systemic racism Mm -hmm. that like governs those relationships
7: or something, you know, it's
6: like, I don't know. So that, that became harder and harder. And then just like seeing like one, like leader after leader, after leader in Christian environments, Pull this racist stuff. Pull mm-hmm. this sexist lingo out of their but you know, just like, just like consistently saying that stuff. It's like, oh, I'm not gonna like. I don't want to subscribe to something that has all these people saying one thing and then acting really irresponsible all the time. Yeah, you know, it's like that doesn't that that becomes like so meaningless to me when you're saying all these things and mm-hmm. just being horrible. Um. So that, yeah, it was just like a lot of like. I think it was just at a point where I was like, the discrepancies are too much. Like I don't want to engage anymore with this. Like I'd struggle like for years, like to reconcile and to, okay, like find the truth of like, hmm. what is true Christianity? Like, yeah. like I need to get down to the basis of it. Because I, I think at the, at the basis of it, like God doesn't want us to be racist. God doesn't like, he isn't a, uh, you know, white supremacist or something.
3: Like, mm-hmm.
6: But after like struggling for so long, I was just like, I don't want to struggle in this anymore. Like I don't want to have to like figure it out in this context and figure it out with all these people who aren't figuring it out too, you know, like who Mm -hmm. aren't committed to actually being like, okay, that was racist. And my faith tells me that like, I shouldn't be racist, you know? So like I have a problem with that. So I, I don't know. And then at the same time, like I was involved with my, I think it was my sophomore year of college where I was like involved in faith and justice. And Mm -hmm. as we were all kind of, becoming more and more um aware of stuff yeah and and we were organizing we were like organizing some <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> like like protests and whatever and getting involved in protests and getting involved in like other people's discussions about this stuff sure. yeah we were all kind of struggling with like like this doesn't really match up with our faith like at all and every time that faith does get involved in it it just gets worse you know
0: in what in what way? And so, so two questions. And what what didn't match up? And then what made it worse? Like what was the worst?
6: Yeah, and I think yeah, I'm, I think I'm speaking from like like a a white Christian evangelical like worseness. Like that <laughs> that's what made it worse. That didn't make sense, but it um, makes sense. It makes sense. Wait, what was what you just
0: ask? Well, me? I'm I'm curious. <laughs> like what. What was what didn't match up when you say man that didn't match up with our faith? And then what made it the worst? You say you're talking about the white just white evangelicalism. Yeah. Okay.
6: And yeah. Yeah. I guess I guess I don't know all of it. But um yeah, like what didn't match up is just like like I guess seeing like like chivalry like built into Christianity and then like that being an extension of like being a good Christian was to like, have a guy open the door for you or having a guy like, um, like, Oh, Oh, that's a, like, it looks like a slightly heavy object. Like I, like I should take care of that for you because I love you as a, like a godly sister or something, yeah. you know, it's just like all that, all that like sexism and like power structures bundled up into like, yeah. Oh, this is, this is, this is God's work. Like I'm doing this because it's good for like, it's what my faith tells me to do or something. And then also just like, just um like seeing how people dealt with the death of Mike Brown and like seeing how Yeah, two
0: thousand thirteen. Yeah. Or was it two thousand fourteen? No, no two thousand fourteen. No, that was 2014. Two thousand fourteen. Yeah, two thousand
6: four yeah, August
0: two thousand fourteen, yeah. August, yeah. But to, but you're right. I mean it was it, so that, yeah, that, that era. I mean you graduated in the hot spot of, of yeah. Trayvon and Yeah. You know. Yeah.
6: So that yeah, so actually I guess then it was it was um yeah but yeah like just seeing how people dealt with that I guess and just like how much um is apathy the right word that's not the right word no I'm, yeah like how people like sympathize with it so much and I'm, I'm speaking a lot of like like white like my own community that I grew up in like no I don't like,
0: yeah
6: um they like would sleep be like oh that is so sad but then not do anything right I don't know I i guess
0: i don't really well i mean i mean
6: specifics
0: no, no 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 this is good no this is real good i mean i just i mean i think because i'm i mean I, I, again because you've had such a unique and that's what i'm trying to bring that uniqueness that you have out in terms of you want to call it faith you want to call it you know whatever you want to call it um i mean talk about those so like so how does that fit now what what does that look like? Say so you say you're not a Christian. Are you an, of another faith, or are you would you consider yourself? You know these labels, right? Gnostic, atheist, um, indifferent. I'm trying to go, and this is what, and the reason I bring this up is because, right, the research is saying that punks are becoming more secular, not necessarily dis disreligious or more atheist, but just. Just not as religious. I'm not, I don't have to go to a brick and mortar church to have church. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, I don't have to, you know. And so, and also, that's why I, also, that's why I wanted to kind of chronicle this because, again, I, I'm just putting all the cards on the table. The research also says that folks lose their faith in college. You know, especially those who went to, um, you know, these secular schools, but you didn't go to a secular school. I mean, you went to a secular high school or secular, you went to a non-Christian high school, um, but you went to a Christian, you know, college that had chapel. Yeah. And a a female campus pastor.
6: Yeah. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. Those environments. Yeah. I used to like go to chapel all the time when I was in high school. Okay. I would go with Olivia and Mm -hmm. then we would just, yeah. And then as I got older and older, it was just like more and more toxic. Like it was just felt like more and more like. I guess that's a bad way to say that I don't want to sound like I'm really dissing this place but no you're not dissing it's it just, be, yeah, it just felt like it just felt like there was more and more like affirmation of like I would say specifically like white Christian like people who had grown up like white Christian mm-hmm. like evangelical like there was just a lot of affirmation there and like a lot of like oh let, let's like let's hold a visual for Mike Brown but then like do nothing past that you mm-hmm. know and it was just like a feel good Like, like, oh yeah, I went to that vigil. Like, oh my God, that's incredible. Like, you're an incredible person for going there. You know, just like, and yeah, I just felt like, like the, like I saw more and more of that as I was getting more aware and being like, well, I don't want to be a part of something that like makes me feel good. And then, but actually makes me feel horrible because I can, I'm like, well, this is not doing anything. This is like really not helping anybody. And just seeing that like the church that I was around like wasn't wasn't pushing people to work to look past that and like pushing people to be like okay mm-hmm. you know what you have been steeped in a racist environment like and it doesn't help anybody for you to be like oh I'm not racist like I love black people or I love Latinos you <laughs> right know? It's right like, right like I like that doesn't help anybody um, like I I feel like on a daily basis like I try to be like like I'm I'm never gonna be like I'm not racist because like we are all racist like inherently <laughs> i feel like you know it's yeah, like yeah. it's like part of our our culture and part of our system like we're all sexist like i catch myself all the time being like okay why did i just have that thought about that woman over there like and like make all these assumptions about her based on her clothes or something it's like look what i'm wearing like people probably make a bunch of assumptions about what i'm wearing or something you know and it's like and it's like by being continually aware of like what my like like thoughts that go right into your head when you see somebody like mm-hmm. by, by just like looking those straight in the face and be like well why is that there like it's because we've been told that our entire lives like and then like how do i become more and more like aware of like getting rid of those thoughts and be like by being aware of them you can get a sense of like what other people are thinking you know because yeah. and then you can like work harder to negate those things but yeah how did i get here i don't know um I
0: <laughs> know this is good this is good see that's what I'm talking about see y'all I tell I told you she's got the she's got the fire oh, it's so, all over the place no no, no that's that's all name. right I mean so so then what does then a 22 year old think of in your position what you grown up with um what about what about what God? I mean, so, I mean, let's, let's, right. let's get existential okay, yes. then. Let's, let's get metaphysical. Let's get quantum. Um, And I'm, I'm, I'm genuinely asking you these questions. I'm not, I'm not being a smart ass. I'm, I, 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 <laughs> I really want to know like what in your estimation, what, I mean, how was the world created? I'm not, I'm not being a smart ass. I'm just yeah. saying, like, what, what do you, how do you see that? Yeah. How do you, do you, and do you see that? I mean, right. The biggest one is right. It's like, what happens then when you die? Yeah. You know? Yeah.
6: I don't well okay as where I'm at right now I'm mm-hmm. like I don't I don't like I don't consciously believe in a god I would say like I like the idea kind of just went away like I used to ha- you know like talk to god all the time and felt like there was a real presence there and I I f- I think I feel that same kind of energy but I just have a different understanding of what it is now Okay and so for me there's like a lot of like like there's just crazy power in like connections of people and okay. like and and like being aware of each other and being aware of like how connected we are to the world and mm-hmm. so i think that if i have like any spirituality maybe that's what it is i don't i don't identify as like christian or any religion i don't i don't really like i never really think about putting a label on that okay um it's yeah, so, but, and I don't really think about, like, when I die, because I'm, like, I mean, I do, actually. I just thought about it the other day, actually. That's ah, interesting. all right. I was just on the train, and I was, like, I was going past the cemetery. <laughs> and I was, like, I don't, like, it doesn't really scare me to think of, I don't know, death in, like, I guess a natural way. Okay. <laughs> like, um, Just, I don't, I don't know. It just doesn't seem to have any relevance to my life to, like, think about, like, oh, I'm going to, like, what's going to happen to me? Like, I'm just like, I'm trying to live like my best life now, take care of things while I'm here. Like take care of the people around me while I'm here. Like, I don't think it'll help me to do any like thinking about like, Oh, like, I mean, you have no control over it. So it's like, yeah, I'm not going to think about it right now. Yeah. And so, yeah, like, I, I don't know. A concept of God is like, I don't know. Cause it's interesting. Cause whenever we talk about God and like, uh, I don't know. like, I feel like, I feel like sometimes we're on the, like the exact same page with that, you know, uh-huh. in a uh-huh. weird way. I don't know if that makes sense. No, it makes sense. But just because it's like, there's like so much power in the world. There's so many like forces and there are there like, mm-hmm. you know how they like, and like science backs it up, you know, yeah. being like, if you speak nicely to like, isn't, is that a real thing or does for really though? Like if you speak <laughs> nicely to a plant, it'll grow more. It's like, no, no,
0: that's, that's, that's that real? no, that's real.
6: Cool. That's good. I base that's a lot good. of my phone. There.
0: there you go. See? No, that's real. No, I mean, yes. I remember that as a kid. They were talking about like how, you know, you got to talk to these plants, you know, and they yeah. like that and they, yeah. they will respond to positivity.
6: Yeah, exactly. And was, you see that with everything, you know, and like I, f- like I see that with, you know, like you can see it in bugs sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. like if you're just like, if you just leave them alone, like, and, and like have a good energy about you, like energy sounds like, like people get weird about that word. I feel like, like I get weird about that word. But it's like if you right. just have... I was about to
0: say, that's that's a trigger for some, especially you know if you're an evangelical listening and you hear your energy, you're like, oh right. my gosh, they're talking about... Uh, exactly,
6: Like that used to totally shut me off and be like, mm, that's God. <laughs> right, right, <laughs> like, right, exactly, yeah. exactly,
0: exactly. Yeah. So then, all right, then let's take it a step further then. Okay, so we, we got this. I mean, because this is sounding vaguely familiar than to just concepts of you know around humanism and just you know a, 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 our understanding of engaging with other humans and, and whatnot i know i'm butchering that and so monica miller and anthony penn and some of these <laughs> folks are out there who are great humanists are listening please please don't please don't take take it out on me um but um oh shoot now what i was i was, I was gonna ask you something too around that because you talked about it so then what is the interconnection then so oh this is so this this i mean do you think then that that energy is a higher power do you think that that and what i mean higher power in i mean in this i don't want to get too crazy here but then is there then otherworldly beings then that have put this in place right so there's several theories out there right so you got the big bang theory everything mm-hmm. just started from this finite and then grew into what we have now but there's some missing aspects of that as well it's just like well how can things have come together like how scientists have yet to figure out like how did life begin like we can think of a comet or an asteroid came here and delivered life but where did it get
6: right right
0: you're thinking what do, you, what, do you, what do you imagine when you think about it? I mean, or maybe you don't. I mean, I don't know. On that train ride that you were coming back, you said <laughs> you said you had, had a couple of wine coolers, right? <laughs> I mean, do you ever think about these things? I mean, I don't know. I I, I know. I mean, to disclosure. I mean, I used to think about this stuff all the time when I used to smoke weed, you know. Yeah. So, <laughs> and now that, you know, now that I don't, uh, I still think about them. And I'm just trying to think, like, okay, is God another worldly being? Is God an alien force that came and created this and created the water. Cause people still try to figure out like, how did we get all this water on this planet? Yeah. So I don't know. What do you I, think?
6: I don't know. I, well, I think I don't really think too much. I guess about like, how did we all get here? Or okay. No ain't nothing wrong with that. I don't know. Yeah. It just doesn't cross my mind too much. I feel like, but, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't really think about it. And like a higher power. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, it just doesn't have a lot of, like, daily relevance, I feel like, to me in, like, the way that I go through the world, I guess. Okay. So I don't really think about it that much. But I, yeah, I don't know. I guess, like, I I think about, like, in what I've seen and what I've experienced when, like, Mm -hmm. there becomes, like, a, a, like, a, I don't know, it almost feels like people have, like, a finite, like, higher power. Like, they, that maybe isn't the right way to put that. But, like, there's, like, a lot of manipulation with that. And so like, I feel like I've kind of like gotten like divorced that from my, my thought process because I'm like, when I've seen, which this could sound really bad, I guess this is This this is is,
0: I'm genuinely asking. I want to know.
6: Yeah. From like, I just, I've seen that there be like a lot of manipulation of that higher Mm -hmm. power. And Mm -hmm. so it's like when there becomes like something like that, where you can like put your ideas into and be like, well, God told me this or like, this is what, you know, like, we we all agree on this over here, like, that's what God is. Like, that's when it becomes dangerous, rather than just being, like, so I think that that's why I don't really ascribe to, like, a higher power, but, like, I think it's, like, I guess it's harder for me, because of my growing up, to be, like, a higher power is not just a person, like, a thing, you know, like, an entity. It's, like, I can't really, like, get rid of that, so maybe that's why I have a hard time with, like, a higher power, like, those, that terminology, but...
0: Yeah, and, you know, yeah, definitely the wording of it, but...
6: Yes But I don't know Yeah I, Like I think that there are Higher powers I guess mm-hmm. But the higher powers I feel like is like The connection of us all And like okay. being like Yeah Like it I don't know I'm reading this book right now That everyone should read
0: Good it's What is it It's called
6: Sex at Dawn It is Ooh. so good Yeah oh. I'm always reading it Fiction? Like, Non-fiction? No it's uh It's like uh sciencey
0: book oh yes. all right yes sex at dawn sex
6: at dawn all right, i'll
0: put this in the show notes yes i will link it's this really
6: good whenever i'm reading it people are always like oh who's reading this i'm like yeah it's about like uh the narrative we've been told around sex <laughs> like it's really really <laughs> heady kind of but it's really really good it just talks so much about like like how uh i don't know i guess it's like i guess it's whitewashed and just like uh americanized mm-hmm. like like what we've been told about other cultures and how we've been told that like sex is a universal like yeah experience which it is a universal experience but it's like the way that we connect with it is like the way that everybody connects with it like the way that we engage in marriage is the way that everyone engages in marriage you know like and just how like it goes back to like looking at um like all these studies that say like marriages in every single culture that you go to, but it's like, well, who went there? And when they went there, they contrived like anything that they saw as like two people, like being connected, like that's marriage. It's marriage. Marriage is here. Marriage is here. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Just all these, like, I'm not describing this well at all. No, you with it. You with it. But the more that I like learn about those kinds of things, the more that I read about like the different types of ways that other, um, like the other, like times, other cultures, Mm -hmm. like, uh think about sex or think about religion or think about marriage or think about you know sexual orientation like the different ways that we think about that it's like you just realize how like how it's ridiculous that you would think that how did I get here? I have no idea, but I'm talking about it, whatever yeah, um like it's ridiculous to think that like we we would have the answers on that on, on any one thing because there's so much vastness of experience, you know? Yeah. And so it's like, yeah. it's like to put all of that into one deity. Like, I think that's like colonialism. Is that right? Yeah. Cause it's like you put it into one being and say that this is a universal being, but it's like, we have so many vast different experiences. So it's like, it's hard to have one being, I feel like, you know, like how could, like my concept of a god when I was growing up was like so limited to my mm-hmm. experience and didn't encompass like ninety percent of other people's experiences, you know. And so it's like, but it's but I feel like I have a better and easier time connecting with people when I when I have gotten rid of that mindset and there isn't a god for me, you know. And and I'm able to just be like, uh, we all need love, and I I want to like figure out like or I would just want to sit back and listen to like, how do you take love? Like, you know, rather than being like, well, love is by love is praying for you. Like love is um, like giving you food or something. It's like, well, what if your food isn't kosher? Like what if your food has pork in it or something? And then it's like, (laughs) that's not love, you know, it's like, or it can be, you can be trying to do love, but it's like, I don't know.
0: Well, I mean, so your view, then views of, like, say for you know traditional marriage, you know, you go and you find somebody and they get hooked up and then you start dating, blah 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 blah. I mean, how how, then how does that then work out? Because obviously, you know, your your parents, you got mom mm-hmm. dad. I met them; they're great folks. <laughs> um, myself, I'm I'm married and kid, you know, doing the thing. Even got a white picket fence, you know. You, yeah, you got the yeah. You got there. <laughs> so, what does that then look like then for you?
6: yeah I don't really know I feel like I yeah I don't know because I struggle with that because I'm like I've been raised in a society where like that's how society's like built up mm-hmm. for you it's hard to like or I haven't seen many examples of people doing it other ways you know and I'm I'm like exposing myself to other ways I feel like or like trying to like that sounds weird I guess but like bell hooks is that right yeah
0: bell hooks no wait
6: that's not right oh also her oh yeah but that that connects to the same time when i was thinking about this but who's that there's like the the director or the author of um like how to make a murderer and oh isn't Grey's anatomy is that the same person
0: i'm gonna have to look up imdb now
6: yeah but anyway that she like she wrote a book about how like she has chosen like to be single basically Mm -hmm. and just like and and just how that's like been really fulfilling and how that's been like um like we don't see a lot of examples of being like well you can get that the same support that you need like from friends and like from i don't know relatives (laughs) or something yeah and it doesn't have to be you know and like sometimes that can be more support it's just like it's so variable you know yeah and um and that's what, like, that book I was talking about talks about as well, where it's, like, the different ways oh, that, check like... Check it out. Yeah, because we think that, like, we can only get... Or, I don't know, I've been steeped in this mindset of, like, you can only get, like, that deep connection from, like, being with one person or something. And it's, like, well, no, if I if I actually don't find somebody that I, I feel like, oh, I'm ready to, like, make a commitment with, like, mm-hmm. for a long time, like, I can still be happy. Like, I can still make connections with people, and I can still be, you know, feel fulfilled and, like, feel yeah in other ways
0: well let me ask this and i know as we're looking at I me mean, because i could i could keep going this is a fascinating conversation and hopefully those who are listening are like oh man and hopefully and i'll say this um too i mean if you're out there and you're thinking oh my god you're chomping at the bit and you just want to respond i would challenge you to think why why is that why can't we listen and, and take in information right that is different than our own perspective like i think that's well, I I think that's missing right now from our national sociopolitical discourse. It's like, it has to be one way and then this is that. So I just want to, you know, put that challenge out to folks listening, you know, and I'll have some other things in there once we get all this stuff edited down. But how has this, or maybe it hasn't, engaged or affected your relationship with your parents? Are your parents still Christian? Or are they still in, you know, in that evangelical world? Or are they more moved along themselves and, you know, siblings?
6: Uh, yeah, Um. well... Yeah, they're definitely moved along from where they were. I feel like, well, my brother um, came out as gay like uh, five years ago.
7: Okay. Something
6: like that. All right. And that like threw my parents for quite a loop, I would say. <laughs> okay. um, all right. And yeah. I think that, and they're coming, you know, they've come out the other side, I would think. And I think that it's always going to be a growing process, you know? Mm-hmm. But as we've all kind of gotten more radical, like, me and my sister And like We always talk about These things at home You know We yeah. always like Bring it back and, and my parents Have changed their views A lot I would say yeah. Like they used to, You know my dad Used to be like Listen to conservative Talk radio all the time oh, man. and And you know Eventually we were just like like, we would always be like, uh, you got to stop listening to that. And like, you <laughs> finally, you know, like did a little bit ago and or not. Wow. It's well, been like a couple of years, I guess. But, wow. All right. And like has totally changed his perspective on those things. And me and my dad have had a hard relationship because of those things sometimes. Yeah. You know, being like, like I am hypersensitive to like seeing sexism and like. Seeing ah, that. Yeah. Yeah. As a woman. Yeah. And, and just like being. Yeah. Seeing how that plays out in their relationship. And. And so we've had a lot of big fights about that. And, and, you know, and and we're getting to a place now where it's like he is really and he's really trying to come out the other side of those things. And but it's just like, you know, it's like, I guess that's hard to say, but. um, Yeah, so it it has definitely changed. I think all of all of us have progressed a lot. And I think that it's been interesting to see my parents be really receptive to that Hmm. and and really like engaged in those conversations and never, there was never like a thing of like, you're wrong. Like, stop that. Like I'm an, I'm an adult. Like, or like, you know, it was always <laughs> yeah. like, they were always willing to listen. They were always like, um, yeah. And so I commend them for that. And then, yeah, like, yeah, we're like all of my siblings, but I think we're all on a pretty similar page. Um, we're all like, yeah, we have these discussions a lot and yeah. talk about those things, but yeah, and it's been interesting to see how our whole family kind of like has moved along together with yeah. that.
0: Well, there you have it, folks. Three conversations, three voices. While this isn't an exhaustive study on young people, that's coming as a researcher, <laughs> but uh, this is something that I wanted to continue having or where I wanted to have and I want to continue having in regards to where young people and particularly those between 18 and 28 Find themselves in relation to religion. Thank you for a great season three. Hopefully you've gained something. You've thought about something. You've been challenged by something. Season four is around the corner, but if you're listening to this in real time, I am taking a bit of a break and going to grab myself a summer hang out and get ready for season four. I'm not sure what the theme is going to be yet, but you're not listening to this in real time, you can just hop right on over to season four, episode one and find out what that theme is going to be. (laughs) But at any rate, thank you so much for the listeners and for all the fans, all the emails and the uh, reach outs for folks that said, man, thank you for what you're doing. I appreciate it. It warms my heart. And I have really been blessed by just the engagement that this little podcast has had uh, in the lives of people. So see you guys and gals and you all in season four. Thanks so much, y'all peace.